Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode of Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Guys, season is ramping up. And what really sets Scentlock apart is the activated carbon for, for maximum odor absorption. Guys, if you're a whitetail hunter, Scentlock is one of the best, hands down, in my opinion, because scent is such a massive factor when it comes to successfully killing big whitetail deer. So I would highly encourage you to check out Scentlock and their incredible line of products. But guys, this week I am joined by George Cummins and Jack Borcharding from Buck Bourbon. We talk all things growing deer, providing the deer the supplements that they need, providing them the protein they need, water sources, food plots, how to get deer bigger, better, and healthier, how to keep a happy, healthy herd. We run through it all. Guys, a lot of that can be a lot to unpack from mineral sites to, to feeders and food plots and watering holes. So we unpack all of that and how you can work year-round to keep a happy, healthy herd and grow bigger and better deer. Guys, it's all right here. It's a phenomenal episode for those of you who like that type of stuff. For those of you who pour into your deer, it's a phenomenal episode. I highly encourage you to stay tuned in right here. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Guys, if you're a traditional archer and you have not checked out Three Rivers Archery, what are you waiting for? Three Rivers Archery is your one-stop shop for all things traditional archery. They have the largest in-stock selection of, of traditional archery equipment anywhere. Same-day shipping. Very, very, very knowledgeable. Listen, I use Three Rivers all the time. If I've got a question on tuning, if I've got a question on broadheads, if I've got a question on brace height or anything like that, I use Three Rivers for everything. They know the products because they use the products. Three Rivers Archery is by far the gold standard when it comes to traditional archery. So guys, if you're just getting into traditional archery, I would encourage you to use Three Rivers as a resource for knowledge and understanding and growing and learning and as a place to get all those products that you're going to be needing as you take this journey. All right, George. So before we get into the the heart of this conversation, which I really am excited about because I think a lot of guys think, well, I can just throw corn out and it gives the deer everything I need. Uh, so I'm excited to maybe unpack some of the things that deer actually need and what some what are some of the things that we should be supplementing for those deer. Uh, but before we get into that, give me an introduction to yourself, man, kind of the idea behind Buck Bourbon and, and how it all came about. 
All right. So, well, I started uh, Salt River Outfitters about 15 years ago. That's where it all started. Um, and for the first few years, you know, I was feeding corn, just straight corn, trying to get pictures of deer, trying to get clients on deer. And then one day it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, you know what? The deer are, they're a natural resource for me. So I need that resource to be replenishable and I always stay healthy. So I started looking for other, uh, other feeds, other attractants, minerals, whatever I could feed the deer that would be beneficial to them, but also bring in mature bucks so that my clients could, you know, get a chance to shoot in one. And I tried everything out there and most of the stuff, if it worked, it wasn't good for the deer. If it, if it was good for the deer and worked, it was usually only bringing in does and fawns, you know, maybe some yearling bucks, none of the mature bucks. Uh, so I started just looking around, trying to figure out ways to make my own feed. And, you know, being here in Kentucky, it's the bourbon capital of the world. Uh, where I'm at, 98% of the world's bourbon is made within an hour or less of my house. So the commodities, the byproducts coming from these distilleries were the most readily available commodities for me to get. And the, the cattle farmers... You know, all the farms I had leased, I was watching them just feed all this byproduct from the distilleries. And I'm like, you know, if a farmer's feeding it to their cattle, it has to be good. So then I really started digging into it and found out that, you know, it's really high in protein, you know, has carbs, sugars, stuff deer like, stuff deer need. Uh, the problem is it's pretty dry the way it is. So I started mixing other stuff with it, trying to figure out how to get the deer to eat it. And it took me probably two years, I would say. And once I found the the secret recipe, I mean, all of a sudden we started killing 180 inch deer over this stuff. Uh, you know, when I created it, I was not creating it to sell. I was creating it to use at Salt River Outfitters. Um, man, after I'm going to say three to four years of killing multiple 180 to 200 inch deer over this stuff, you know, a lot of local people started asking for it. You know, we didn't have a name. It was just your feed, you know. So they were calling me up. They were like, hey, can we get some of your feed? And, you know, I, yeah, you know, I started giving it here, started giving it there. Next thing I know, I spent more time creating this feed in the back of a tobacco barn than I did trying to outfit. So at that point, that was when me and my wife decided we better sit down, come up with a brand, come up with a name, and uh, just see, you know, just see how we could – could roll it out see see what kind of traction we could get with it um honestly we never never ever expected it to to do as good as it has you know up to this point now that so first kind of that first recipe was hunter proof short version of how it was yeah 110 proof was our very first product yeah gotcha um so throughout that process kind of well, hold on, because we're going to get that. That'll take us into the conversation. Jack, give us an introduction to yourself, man, how you ended up where you're at. So, uh, man, it was kind of a whirlwind, right? Um, I you know, used to work at Bear and moved to Worldwide Trophy Adventures. And then George and the, the owner was kind of like, hey, Jack, you know, do you have any experience in this or this or this or this? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. And that's when I kind of got brought into the fold with Buck Bourbon. And I just started, you know, plugging myself in and advising on certain things and products and and just what we should do from a marketing perspective to kind of help out in the branding and you know, so at, at Buck Bourbon, you know, I, 
I do a lot of different things, you know, things from helping out with sales to customer service to marketing, social media, um, all of our different content and images that you see on the Buck Bourbon website or at all of our retailers. So all of those things is kind of something I touch, but, you know, we're such a small, tight knit team. We all work together to create the best products, you know, so and that's all come from George's inspiration and what he does in the field every, every day. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, um, that, that is how myself and Jack became acquainted, uh, because he used to be the marketing director at bear, um, quite a few years ago now that's been Lord six years, yeah. maybe no five years. So yeah, it's been a while now, but, uh, that's at, how I at became least, acquainted with at with least Jack, three or so. four. Yeah. So George, throughout this process of of figuring out what can I do for these deer? A, what did you find out were the biggest needs of a deer? Like because you mentioned two different things. You said I need to create an approach that will not only give the deer what they need, but will also bring the deer in. So A, what did you find the biggest needs of the deer are and then B, what was the biggest attractants for the deer? Uh, I tell everybody all the time, deer, deer are kind of like kids. You, you have to trick them into taking their vitamins, right? They don't, you know, they don't want to eat the vitamins. Vitamins usually taste bad. I mean, go, go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy, buy you some vitamins and, and, you know, try, try to take them and they're not going to taste very good. So you have to trick the deer into eating things that are good for them. Protein, for instance, you know, protein tastes horrible. And look, I'm one of those weird guys. Every time we make a feed, I try it. I, I mean, I, I'll grab a little little pinch, a little handful, and I'll chew on it. And I'm like, you know, why why do the deer eat this? Why do the deer not eat this? And I mean, it's no secret that deer love salty things. You know, that's the reason why 90% of your attractants out there are just salt-based. But salt... Even though deer love salt, salt doesn't really do anything for them. You know, there's only just small trace amounts of certain minerals that's in salt. So we, we do mix a little bit of salt with a lot of our products just to give them that, that flavor that they like. You know, our protein pellets, whatever it is. Uh, so, so I did find out through all this, which, like I said, is a no-brainer. Pretty much everybody knows deer love salty things. But what I was surprised to find out is there's a lot of different commodities that out there that have like a lot of the byproducts from distilleries, the sugar and stuff goes back on top of the, the byproducts before they dry it out. So there is some sugar content in these byproducts. And when you taste some of these, you get a really sweet flavor out of them. And that's what I found out deer like even more than the saltiness is the sweetness. So, you know, we try to mix certain, and, and I, I don't really want to dive into a lot of these products because I don't want to give out my secrets, but there are some different commodities out there that have a really, really sweet taste to them. And we mix a lot of that with our protein. So the deer are eating this, the sweet commodities. And as a result, they're also eating the protein that we've mixed in with it. So we're tricking the deer into eating that protein. I also found out that when you get a, when you get above 18% protein, it tastes awful. Trust me, I've tried it. Uh, and and you can watch the deer in the field. You know, we, we've tried going with 20% protein, 22% protein, 
uh, and the the higher protein levels, the deer just won't consume that much of it because it tastes awful. And honestly, a deer can really only process about 18% protein anyway. Anything above that, they're going to pass it out. So you're just you're just wasting your money on those high. Because when you get to a 22% protein pill, it's expensive. And we've actually found a sweet spot at around 16%. At 16%, the deer will absolutely, I mean, they'll devour it. Just, I mean, and until it's gone. And I would rather deer eat a whole lot of 16% protein versus almost no 20% protein. And, and we've watched this over the years. I mean, our deer, every year, our deer get bigger, you know, bigger bodies, bigger antlers. I mean, we're killing giants now, 200-inch deer every year pretty much over these byproducts that we have grown. And, you know, we're growing these deer. Last year, we had a 50-acre farm, 50 acres, that we killed a 190, I think he was 195 off from, and a 183, three days apart on a 50-acre farm. And, you know, we're not in some special area that's not getting hunted. I mean, this is Kentucky. There's three to five people hunting every track of land in this state. And we're still able to grow these big deer. A lot of that is because we have good neighbors. A lot of it is because of nutrition. And a lot of it is because genetics and age. You know, we kind of have a perfect storm here. Uh, but you really can't have one without the other. You know, just because they have good genetics doesn't mean they can have poor nutrition. So we're, we're trying to help the deer reach their maximum potential, whatever that potential is. If you're in an area that does not have good genetics, you can, you can offset some of that good genetics with good nutrition. You're never going to kill a 200 inch deer. If you don't have the genetics, if you don't have the age and you don't have the nutrition, you just have, you got to have all three of those. But, so you know, when you're talking down south where they don't have great genetics. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. When you're talking strictly nutrition, uh, obviously, like you said, you can't have one without the other. You have to, if you want to grow bigger deer, you have to let your two and a half grow up. But strictly nutrition, yeah. how long does it take running a nutrition program for your deer to see that change? Like to see my 160s go to one. 70s or whatever that growth potential is you know what does it take supplementing and giving them nutrition to see that that change honestly i'm gonna say five years three to five years and the reason being is those deer have to be brought up on that program you know we talk about fawns being in the womb that fawn its mother needs to be on that that program when she gives birth because she's going to be able to, she's going to be a healthier mom, which means she's going to be able to provide what that fawn needs as a fawn. And then that deer, that fawn is going to, you know, you want to get that age structure. And this is an argument you can, you can go into, well, one person's going to say their deer reached their maximum potential at four, five and a half, and then some six and a half, seven and a half. Around here, once a deer gets to four and a half to five and a half, that is pretty much when I have noticed I think that's their peak. But now every deer is different, just like every person is different. But I just say five years before you can really notice a difference because the minerals you're feeding, the protein you're feeding, you know, it's just going to take that long in order for that deer to reach its maximum potential. And that's the reason why I say age, nutrition, genetics. 
we've got the genetics. We've got the nutrition, so we have to get that age. Um, but a lot of people are under the misconception that you can throw one bag of mineral out a year at one spot, and that's going to help those deer. It's not. You, you need to feed mineral every month. There will be months when the deer absolutely hammer that mineral, but then there's going to be months where the deer don't ever touch it. But they need free choice mineral year round because you, you'll you notice bucks during the rut. I have. I've noticed them going to mineral licks because they're running themselves to death. So they're trying to find whatever they can, you know, minerals, proteins, whatever, to help their body recoup the weight and the stress that they're going through at that time. And that's something a lot of people don't think about. I mean, I, it's just we, we throw mineral out at least once a month. Um we do, in the state of Kentucky, we do have to quit feeding protein March the 1st, and they just changed the law this year. We used to be able to start feeding June the 1st, but now they backed it up to where we can't start feeding until August the 1st. So we've lost a couple months, unfortunately. And those couple months is when the deer need it the most, unfortunately, but we have to obey all, you know, all laws in the state of Kentucky. So, but... That five year, that I think that's that magic spot. You can see and you can see a difference at three, but for you to see a huge difference, I think it's five years. And it's a, I mean, it's an undertaking. You have to become a farmer. You have to become a farmer for wildlife at that point. You have to be dedicated to it, and and you'll notice a difference. So, what is, what would you say? And and Jack, we can start with you, but. Um, those different misconceptions, cause you mentioned throwing out mineral one time a year, uh, or, you know, the guy that, that says, well, season's a couple weeks away. I need to go put some corn out, you know? Um, yeah. what would you say the biggest misconceptions are around supplementing for your deer and feeding deer and attracting deer? Um, what would you say those biggest misconceptions are? Um, I personally, I mean, I kind of touched on it there. It, it's. People think they throw a bag of mineral out in turkey season and that's going to make their deer grow bigger antlers, and that's just not the case. I mean, you know, that fawn, that lactating doe that is eating those minerals, it's as big a, it, it's as important for her to be healthy as it is the bucks because her fawn will eventually be that trophy buck that you're going to try to kill four, five, six years from that point. Uh, and, and everybody, they, they start talking about growing bigger bucks, but it really does start with the does. You know, that's a big misconception. Another misconception is that you can throw out a bag of protein two weeks while you're trying to kill your deer and that's going to help them get bigger. That's not the case. I mean, at that point, you're just doing what they call spill and kill. You're trying to throw something out just to kill an animal. And that's what we are not about. We are about putting back as much as we're taking. And that's the reason why I'm saying it, you have to become a farmer for wildlife. It has to become your lifestyle. I mean, you have to want to create something that that your kids are going to benefit from. And I, I think on that, the misconception is more related to the goal of the hunter or what they're trying to do, right? The misconception is that, oh, I can do a little bit here and there and it's going to do something. Right. Well, yeah, you may bring a, a deer in to try it. Right. But in three, four years, if you only put out, you know, 
five bags of something every time you go hunt or 10 bags of something in each of those years, you're not going to grow bigger deer. Like George says, you might bring some in here or there, but you're not growing your herd or providing anything nutritional long-term for your herd. You're giving them a snack. Just a, just a taste. Now, George, if you, if well, just so you know, last year was my first year using your products consistently. Um, and I was a part of seven deer being killed over your products. Um, I killed five, but two of my buddies uh, were on my properties or I was with them and we use your product. So um, I'm a firm believer, man. I'll tell you that. Um, now, yeah. when you look at a piece of ground, you, you say, this is the spot. I just bought 40, 40 acres, whatever, 200 acres. Um, what are you looking for in terms of like, okay, we've got corn, you know, over here, we've got a Creek over here. They've got good soil, whatever. What are you looking for that makes you go, okay, I need to start giving this to my deer. Uh, because, you know, thinking here in Kansas, like that's where I live. The deer have every, I mean, they've got soybeans over here and corn here and, you know, they can go and get nutrients everywhere. So, what do you look at and then think to yourself, okay, this is what I need to give my deer because it's what this piece of ground is lacking. It's typically going to be minerals. I mean, it's hard for deer to get minerals, even in areas as good as Kansas. You know, they're going to get some minerals Bingo. from the the native Bingo. vegetation they're eating. You know, that's going to get sucked up through the plant. It's going to suck it out of the ground, but it's going to be in such small amounts. You know, they it's going to be hard for them to get what they actually need. So let's say in Kansas, you know, the, the deer, they're on a thousand acre farm that has 500 acres of soybeans. Well, that's as good a protein as you can get. So they're going to be getting protein at that point. It's okay. I need to make sure they have water. If you don't have a water source, you need to create a water source. So they don't have to travel real far to find water. And then from there, it's going to be more minerals than anything. I think. You know, because they're going to be able to get the protein that they really need from from the, the crops that are growing there. Now, if you look at it this way, though, once those crops are gone and a lot of the vegetation is gone after, let's say, late, late fall, early winter, frosts have hit. There's not a lot of stuff left for the deer to eat. Uh, that's about the time the rut's going to kick in. You really need to start feeding protein then because you those deer... They're going to get so stressed from running five to 10 miles a day trying to find a hot doe. In Kansas, this is unreal how far the deer will actually travel. That is so stressful on the deer. You know, they, oh, yeah. they need to be able to recoup that, that energy, that weight, that everything they've lost through that time. So that's when you really need to increase your protein, protein feed, I believe, because if you can help that deer from getting so wore down, I mean, we, we have found dead deer after the rut because they just run themselves to death. It happens every year. People, a lot of people don't realize that, but they will. I mean, they'll run and run and run and run and just not eat. And the next thing you know, they're so stressed out. They either can't escape coyotes. They can't, you know, they just can't, they can't go any further. Their heart gives out. So that's when you really need to increase your, your supplemental feeding regardless of what your supplemental feeding is. Mm -hmm. I love it when people look at me like I have four eyes when 
you know, you start feeding in January and they're like, what are you doing, dude? Deer season's over. And I'm like, uh, well, they just got done with the rut and it's negative 10 outside. Like this is when they need it more than ever. Like the winter wheat's gone. Soybeans are gone. Corn's gone. Like they need food now more than ever. Um, so that's when I, you know, that's when I'm running the heaviest amounts of protein feed. Providing them the, the supplement or the protein or the feed that they need and that they can get to the easiest, right? Uh, I mean, a deer wants to take the path of least resistance and right. They don't have to expend as much energy if you provide them the feed where they need it, when they need it. Right. So I think getting them something as soon as they can right? Or as soon as they can get to it or where they're at, I think is a huge benefit to them too, right? They just won't expend as much energy and then they'll get what they need faster. So it's just crucial for the deer to come out of winter being as less stressed out as possible. That way their body's not going to have to recoup so much before they do start growing their antlers. You know, and that's another thing a lot of people don't think about. If that buck comes out of winter as little stress as possible, he's going to be healthier. So a lot more can go to his antlers. You know, his body doesn't have to absorb a lot of stuff that could go to that rack. Yeah, for sure. Um, walk me through a year long process. When are you running? What, um, you know, when do you start hitting your, your minerals hard? When do you start hitting protein hard? Uh, give a guy a full calendar breakdown as to, you know, when they need to start running what, through when, how much of what. I mean, give us a, a full nutritional system to grow bigger deer. Well, obviously, we own a feed company, so I want you to feed year-round. <laughs> but, no, but feed responsibly. Feed responsibly. Where, it, where it's legal. And, and, you know, I'm joking, but honestly, that is the case. I mean, you if you can feed year-round, you really need to. And I'm not saying that, you know, like I said, I was kind of laughing and joking, but a deer is going to need different things, different times of the year. You know, through the summer months, they're really stressed out, really stressed out from insects. You know, that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, deer lose 35% of their maximum potential in summer months because of stress. And that's maximum potential of body weight maximum potential of rack size because they are constantly fighting uh you know deer flies ticks mosquitoes any other type of biting insect uh so that time of year they do need nutrition to help them fight that stress uh and and one thing that i want to kind of touch on that we do we have a couple different uh products our mineral being one of them and we have a protein feed that we call cinnamon garlic barrel proof um and we've we've got to be we got to be careful here because we can't make this claim on deer but it is proven that on cattle cinnamon and garlic oils reduce the amount of insects by 56 percent okay they it also reduces the amount of methane gas buildup in their stomach by 18 percent now there's two things that this helps in deer the, the biting flies, obviously, if you can reduce that by 50%, you're reducing that stress. You're possibly reducing the, the, the possibility of them contracting blue tongue and dying. Blue tongue is caused by midge flies that bite them on the inside of their nostrils. They call it, cause them to run a high fever and basically melts their brain and they die. 
that is caused by a biting insect. So if we keep those flies off from them, you know, we're possibly cutting down on that stress. We're possibly cutting down on blue tongue. We cannot claim that for a fact because it's not been proven in the deer industry. But in cattle industry, it has been proven. All right, when you reduce that methane gas buildup in their stomach, you're creating a larger appetite. If you're creating a larger appetite, they're going to consume more protein, more carbs, more sugars, what they're needing. So then you're going to be able to, to have a larger bodied animal, whether it's a doe or a buck. And, you know, hopefully that's going to translate to a bigger rack eventually. So that's through the summer months. All right. Then, you know, right before the rut, you're going to notice that your bucks are really hammering the protein. Uh, and I've actually seen them, you know, start hitting the mineral again pretty hard right before the rut because they know what's coming. They know for two months they're going to be running nonstop, barely taking time to eat, barely taking time to drink. So they're trying to get as fat as they can. All right. So once again, we're, we're feeding free choice minerals, free choice protein. Then through the rut, you're going to notice that your level of feed that is being consumed is going to be cut in half for multiple reasons. First off, your bucks just aren't worried about eating. Second off, your does, they know that if they go around that, that uh, feed station, whatever it is you have set up, they're constantly going to be pestered by these little year-and-a-half-old bucks that come out and just chase them nonstop. So your does even start avoiding the, the feed stations at that time. It's still important to have it there, though, just because, you know, if, if let's say you've got a four and a half, five and a year old buck that is cruising your area and for some reason he does want to stop and get some feed, he needs it. It needs to be readily available at that time of year because it's more important then than probably any other time. All right. Once the rut's over, you've got post rut. You're going into the hardest part of the winter. Uh, and at that time is when you're going to notice you're your supplemental feed program is going to go double what it was early because they're, they are using that energy to fight the code. And, you know, they're trying to, to get that energy and body weight back that they lost through the rut just so they can survive the winter months. That is probably your most crucial time. To your point, you said you start feeding in January more than any other time of the year. And that, that is absolutely the most important time. I mean, that is when it's it's life or death for those deer. People don't think this, but it is life or death for those deer, the, those two, three months of post-rut, you know, the worst part of winter. They, they've been through so much at that time. You know, they've been through so much. They've been running from hunters. They've been chasing does for two months. Uh, so it, at that time, they're just going to lay low, not move hardly any at all, and you need as many feed stations as possible because they're just not going to want to travel that far. Not unless they, they absolutely have to, to find that feed. All right. And I think, Oh, go they ahead, George. I was going to say before we, before you move into any of those, like if you think about different states that you can't feed, right. And you just, it just shouldn't feed at all. That's why we have products that are food plot related so that we can you can try to give them as many minerals as we can in the March to end of August September time frame from a brassica blend to the two different clover blends that we have in the food plot seed that we we just came out with that so 
that's something that, you know, we're trying to give somebody the opportunity to help their herd, even if they can't legally feed, you know, with supplements or protein from a year round perspective. Go ahead, George. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that then you start into the spring, which is when everybody is thinking about putting the minerals out for their bucks. And you do need to put the minerals out. But when I put the minerals out, I'm thinking about the does at that point. I'm thinking about the does that have fawns, that their body's being stressed out. I mean, it's just like a human. I mean, when a woman is pregnant, the doctor always puts them on prenatal vitamins because their body is literally being drained of everything that it needs. So that's why in the spring, I put the minerals out super heavy and all I'm thinking about is the does. The bucks have already made it. You know, they're going to hit the minerals here and there as they need it, but you're going to notice more does and fawns than anything hitting those minerals. And it's super important because it is draining her body from everything she needs. And she has to be healthy for that fawn to be healthy. So that's kind of, and that's a very vague calendar, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this podcast is going to go out to people all across the U.S. So the timing would be different, you know, for every region, obviously, but that's just kind of spring, you know, summer, fall, winter type, type program. Guys, I know, I know, uh, cheap, interchangeable blade knives, they're all in the rage. Change your blade right there, and you can keep going, and it, it's cool, and I have one in my bag, and I like to keep one in my bag. However, there is no replacement for a well-built, hand-forged knife, something that I know is dependable, it's strong. If I pick it up, it's going to be sharp, it's going to be ready to go, Um these right here are knives built by my good friend Nick Deeker, Nick's Knife Works. And um, the most beautiful part of this is it's not cut and dry. You don't just pick out a knife and say, well, I guess that's the one I need. No, 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 no. He built this one specifically to the length that I wanted it. I wanted this to fit right on the side of my binocular harness, so it was always there, always ready for me to grab. He built this one to fit really small in my pocket uh, for an everyday carry. Guys, a good hand-forged knife is worth its weight in gold. Go check out Nick Deeker at nicksknifeworks.com. So you mentioned protein feed and, you know, minerals and, and all of these things. So if you go to buckbourbon.com, you've got, you know, the 110 proof and the barrel proof. What, you know, what would be the main differences? Why would somebody choose one over the other? What are they looking for in something? Uh, you know, not just your products, but they go anywhere and, and there's, 25 different feeds you know we'll take yours for instance just because we can look at them we can you know you know what's in them you know what they are but what are they looking for what's the difference in barrel proof and 110 proof why one over the other what you know is it different for an area should they go with a block or um you know the 110 block versus the barrel proof block you know what are the differences and why would somebody go with one over the other so so our 110 we created it more as a attractant than a like a feed um, but it is a protein rich attractant you know it's, it has 14 percent protein itself we have a couple different ingredients that we mix with that that we really can't talk about because it is our our secret recipe but that is what makes the deer come to that that's what attracts them so they're getting that protein and we do have minerals mixed in with that as well and honestly, it is something we created for people that don't necessarily feed protein. 
They may not use a feeder. They may just dump corn on the ground. So what this is, is a great feed topper. It increases the nutritional value of that. If they're just feeding straight corn, it's going to increase the nutritional value and it's going to increase the, uh, the, the drawing power. Attractive value. It has such yeah. a sweet smell to it that it's going to bring the deer in from a lot further away than them just smelling straight corn. But it's the greatest because smell on we Earth. do try. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. 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 It, it's funny when I put hunters in stands and, you know, we set everything up there where the wind is blowing in their face, in, in the hunter's face. And we'll dump that 110 out when we put them in the tree, and they'll text me. They're like, hey, all I can smell is that 110. I'm like, that's great. That's what we want, you know? <laughs> so it that that smell, I mean, it travels so far, and I can't count how many times I've had people call, text, email, message us, and it's always the same thing. It's like, hey, we were feeding corn for two months. We didn't have a shooter buck, or we only had three bucks. The day we put 110 proof on our corn pile, we had new shooter bucks show up. We had the biggest buck we've ever seen show up. And it's always that same story. So so that's why that is, it is, yeah. it's a good feed, but we use it as an attractive. The, the barrel proof, it is a 16% protein feed that is geared more for towards your farmer for wildlife. You know, your person is going to have protein feeders. Because it does have protein in it, you don't really need to dump it on the ground unless you know it's not going to rain for at least three or four days. Any protein, if it gets wet, it's gonna, it's not going to be good. So it, it's a product we created more for people that use, you know, gravity feeders, spinning feeders that that want to that that do want to actually grow the wildlife, not just try to kill them over it. So the difference in those two would be. Like you want to want you want to run barrel proof all year long, and then you want to jump yeah. out one ten more as you're like, okay, we're going out to hunt for the weekend. I want to see some deer. Yeah. I want deer to come in close. This is where I want them to stop yeah. for a shot. You know, that's where you kind of utilize yeah. the the one ten. It kind of it gets to what you have, you know, at your disposal too. If a guy doesn't have a, a feeder, right, and you can only dump something on the ground, yeah, you can dump barrel proof on the ground, but you know, it's probably better to put 110 proof on the ground because it's got more trace minerals in it that leach into the ground. You're going to come back to it time and time again, even after it's gone, where barrel proof is that protein supplemental feed. And 110 proof does not flow yeah. very well through a feeder, right? If you pick that 110 proof up and you, you can clump it up and make a ball out of it, that's a part of why it's so successful. There's there's nothing else on the market that has that consistency like 110 proof. It just and that's why it holds its aroma so well too. All right, you've got, you know, four different minerals, two blocks, one liquid and one uh on the rocks, which is like a, a basically if you think of like a mineral rock, it's a bunch of broken up pieces of it. Um so why all the different products again, what to use, where, like what, what has, what plays a, you know, bigger role in different places. Why would you choose one over the other? Uh, the, a lot of the blocks are for people who only go into the woods once every couple weeks. You know, they don't really want to go in there once a week to feed. So they, they can put a block out and it's going to last two to four weeks. 
the deer, it will make the deer come by and check that area because they're going to come by, they're going to nibble on it, lick on that block, and then kind of wander off. A uh, lot of, believe it or not, a lot of homeowners that don't even like to hunt or won't, they hate hunting, will buy those blocks to put in their yard so they can watch wildlife. Because they're, I mean, everything's going to come to those blocks, not just deer. You're going to see squirrels on it. You're going to see rabbits on it. You're going to see turkeys pecking at it. And a lot, we sell a lot of blocks, a lot of non-hunters. Um, and a lot of hunters buy the blocks, but just for what I said, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to go into that deer's bedroom no, no more than they have to. So they'll go in there once, they'll throw that block out, put a camera on it and come back a month from then and just see what come out in that month. Um, that's the main reason why we have the blocks. Now the, the, the blocks we have, the one block is 110 proof block. It's made out of our 110 proof attractant. So it is considered more of a an attractant block. And then our barrel proof block is made out of our barrel proof feed, which is considered more of a protein feed block. So you have an attractant block and you have a feed block. And honestly, some people like the 110 better than they do the barrel proof. Some people like the barrel proof better than they do the 110. So, so we have to do it all. I think of it too, like with blocks from the frequency standpoint, I, I had a block out, you know, not too far from me here. I put it out after deer season because I wasn't going to be able to go to that property multiple times, you know, from January through March. And when the snow hits it, the rain hits it, you know, yeah, it may break up a little bit, but there's still feed there and it's not completely ruined. And I had mule deer you know, where I'm at in the West, they were digging the feet in two feet of snow up to get down into that block. Cause once they knew it was there, they could come back to it and frequent it and get something that they couldn't get anywhere else. So it's more of a conveniency thing for the hunter and for the deer with the blocks. But man, I couldn't believe how the deer knew that that was there. They had ate it like once or twice. And then it snowed on it, foot, foot and a half, two feet of snow. And they came right back to that same exact spot and pawed up the snow and started eating that block. Like it was just mind boggling to me. Well, and something I'm going to do, something I pretty much do year round, no matter if it's, you know, a property that's five minutes from my house, because sometimes life gets busy or you forget or whatever. But, you know, if you're running a feeder and say you've got a feeder of, of barrel proof going, I'm going to drop a block of barrel proof under the feeder, near the feeder, somewhere around the feeder. That way, if life does get crazy, I'm like, crap, dude, they've been out of feed for four days. I know they still have something there. I know that block is still there. And, you know, if, you know, say I was on vacation or, you know, whatever, I've got something that I know the deer are still getting nutrients from. Uh, so that's, you know, if I'm running corn, I'm still going to throw a 110 block underneath the corn. If I'm running, you know, what you name it. Um, or if I'm running 110 proof on the ground, I run 110 proof on the ground, but I have a block there all the time. Uh, that way I know the deer have something. Um, so what would be your main differences between the, the liquid deer mineral and the rock mineral, uh, and why choose one over the other? Um, the liquid mineral is another product that we created for, it's a great block topper. First off it, what it does is it actually, 
will uh, increase the drawing power for your blocks because your blocks, they do have a sweet smell, but they're nowhere near as strong as like just a straight attractive. So a lot of times we'll take that liquid mineral and pour over a block just to help the deer find that, that spot. It's also a great feed topper, the liquid mineral is. If you dump corn on the ground and you can, you can kind of drizzle that over it, it's actually better than just like straight molasses. It, you know, the, it has a very sweet smell, but it also has minerals in it. So once again, you're increasing the nutritional value of anything you pour that on. Uh, and, you know, there, there are states that you can use liquids, but you can't use grains. So once again, th th this is a product that we created for various states that may not allow you to feed, but will allow you to use liquid minerals. Um, but we, we use it a lot to, to pour on stumps, uh, pour on blocks. And honestly, we put the liquid mineral straight on top of our granular mineral a lot of times because it helps supercharge that mineral. It'll help it leach into the ground because the deer, the deer, it's more natural for them to paw at the ground and actually eat the dirt to get the minerals than it is to eat just a straight mineral. And this liquid mineral poured on top of the, on the rocks mineral helps it leach into the ground quicker. And it, it, it supercharges everything you put it on. It increases the smell. I mean, by double. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned the topper and, and using that as a topper, uh, but you also have an, a corn topper. Um, yep. Now that, that's not only going to, like you said, increase the power of the draw to that corn, but it's also going to add to the nutrients of that corn. Uh, it's yep. also going to, you know, help give those deer things that they're not getting from just straight corn. Um, now, is there, do you look at a piece of ground, like the difference between, you know, the rocks and the liquids and the, and the blocks, if somebody's looking at their piece of ground and they go, well, man, I've got really soft soil. So if I use the liquid, it's going to soak way down to the dirt. You know, I mean, should they look at anything like that? Or, man, I live in, you know, northwest Arkansas where it's super hilly and rocky. I need to throw out, you know, this. Or, I mean, does any of that kind of play a difference in what they should choose or why? No, I, I mean, I've never noticed that being an issue, whether it was like, you know, in Kansas, they have really dark soil, really, you know, it percolates well there, you know, the, yeah. so it would leach really far into the ground, but the deer, they still dig down to get it. You know, they're going to eat that dirt to get it anyway. And out of all of our products, I tell everybody, cause I get asked a lot of the same questions you've asked me, like, what's your favorite product? And I'm like, it doesn't matter what my favorite product is. It matters what the deer's favorite product is. Your deer will tell you what they need and what they That's don't right. need. So I tell everybody, experiment with all the products, not just ours. I mean, if you if you like another brand, regardless of what that brand is, feed everything until you find the one feed that your deer like better than anything else. And that is that deer's way of telling you that's what their body needs. If they need a super salty product, they're going to eat that more than anything. If they need a really high protein product, they're going to eat that more than anything. So... You know, it, it's it's funny because that's what I tell everybody, and they just kind of look at me like I'm stupid. And I'm like, I promise you, your deer will tell you what they like better than than anything else. So it doesn't matter what is my favorite product. It doesn't matter what Jack's favorite product is. It doesn't, Dylan. It doesn't matter what your favorite product is. 
it's it's what the deer's favorite product is. Well, and that's what there's an an unnamed uh, supplement company, and they have built their entire marketing around putting out their product next to another product and putting a trail camera on it. And I'm like, that's really unfair. I'm like, because just your specific deer might need, you know, like you were talking about, maybe his product is super salty. And so your deer, your specific deer might just need something super salty and you're getting other products that aren't super salty. Whereas, you know, if I go to another place, they might need something completely different. So this really is an unfair kind of test that you're doing here. Um, so you're a hundred percent right though. Uh, but I did want to ask you if somebody were to go and they're like, well, man, like, I, I can't keep up with all this, dude. I, you know, I, I just, I'm a weekend warrior. I just want to hunt. I just, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't have my own property even maybe, maybe they lease ground. And so it's, you know, for me, it's hard to pour a lot of time and money into a ground I lease because you might lose that lease in a year and a half. And you're like, well, good thing I pumped, you know, five grand worth of feet into it last year. But anyways, yep. so what would be the one product you would say if you're going to use a product just to help you kill deer? What would that be? The one ten under ten proof. So, I'll tell you exactly what we do at Salt River Outfitters until we find the deer. We 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 operate on twenty thousand acres here in Central Kentucky, and it's all free range deer. I do want to say that none of the deer here are high fence. Uh, when we go onto a farm, let's say it's a farm we just leased. We go and I always try to bring the deer to an area that I can kill them. I want all the odds in my favor. And what I mean by that is, okay, everybody knows down in this thicket, this holler, you know, that's where the deer like to be. Well, the deer like to be there because the wind swirls there. You know, your thermals are going to settle there. They know you're there. So I always try to find a high point fairly close to where I think the deer are, preferably someplace where I can play the wind that blows my scent over water or across a highway or across a wide open cattle pasture. So I set everything in my favor. And then just because I set everything in my favor, that doesn't mean there's a shooter buck there that I want to, you know, to harvest. So we what we do is we put out a bag of just regular corn. And then we top it with our 110 proof because that smell is going to make those deer find that overnight. And it helps us eliminate the areas that don't have shooter bucks real quick. But I still set it up like we are going to have a shooter there. So if you do find a shooter, you've already got your tree picked out. You already know what wind you're going to play. So you hang your stand, you forget it, you keep it fed. And, you know, a lot of times at that point is when we'll move in a feeder and start feeding our protein feed. Just because, you know, we use we yeah. use some of these bigger feeders that'll hold 600 pounds of protein, it'll last longer. So we don't have to come in there every three days to bait that spot. So that's kind of how we set everything up here at Salt River Outfitters is we, we find a spot that we think looks good that should be fairly easy to kill that animal once we find them. And then... We dump out corn, top it with 110 proof. If the deer are there, then that's when we move all the other stuff in. If they're not there, you've only wasted a bag or two of corn and a bag or two of 110 proof. Well, you pick up and you move 300 yards and try it again. Pick another good spot. And it's always interesting to me. Sometimes if you move 200 yards, that's all you have to do to get on a shooter animal. Just crazy, you know. 
sometimes you think there's none Dude, on the farm and then you move 100 yards. hundred percent. We actually did a podcast not too long ago with, uh, with the holders from raised hunting. And, and that was what we talked about was these deer zones and like how a deer, this said buck, you know, say you name him the big 10, the big 10 is never going, he's going to stay in this area and it might be a, a 50 yard difference. Like you said, and you know, I've had guys be yep. like, well, I've covered the whole place, dude. I put a camera right in the middle of it. And I'm like, no, no, you haven't covered the whole place. And, and I told the holders, I said, dude, I've got a five acre spot. All it is is five acres. You would think if there's a deer anywhere on that and I throw out 110 or corn or whatever, I'm going to see every deer that's on that five acres. And it's absolutely not the case. Like I can move it from one corner to the other and have 200 deer versus, you know, four pictures. Like it's just crazy. Um, but yeah. you people just get this mindset of like, well, if I just put it out, they'll come from everywhere and I'll get every deer in the area here. Like, when in all reality, moving at 50 yards can change the entire game. And it's just crazy. So uh, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I like that you brought that up because sometimes we throw it out. And we're like, well, there's no deer here. Where if we were to just move it, you know, to the next tree row or on the other side of the tree row, um, you're going to have pictures galore of deer everywhere because it's just yep. it's just how they work, man. The craziest thing I ever witnessed here at Salt River was we leased a farm one year that had a, I'm going to guess and say it was a 10 acre bean field on it. And I went into one corner of the field and the deer had grazed the beans down to almost nothing. But there really wasn't, we, we were trying to set up a southwest wind spot because that's typically what we get here in early season is a southwest wind. So I went to this bean field and the corner, the corner where all the deer sign was, just to see what was there, I dumped out some corn, topped it with 110, put a camera out, come back, checked it. Four days later, I had like eight or nine shooter bucks. And I mean good bucks, like 140-plus type bucks. And I was like, well, I don't really think I can kill them here because it was going to take like some weird, you know, east wind, and typically we don't get that. So I was like, I'm going to move the corn and the feed 150 yards up this fence row where there's a tree that would play perfect southwest winds it would blow into a cattle pasture so i moved the bait spot and the camera up there and ran it for two weeks never had a shooter buck on camera and i thought damn i've lost them you know i moved i moved the feed and i've lost them they went to the neighbors or whatever i move it right back 150 yards and the very first night every one of those bucks was back on camera again in daylight the very first night so we just set it up for a weird east wind spot, and and luckily we had an east wind in the opening week, and we ended up killing two different bucks out of that one tree. But they would not go that 100, 150 yards up the fence row on that bean field for some reason. I don't know what the reason was. You know, maybe, maybe they just knew Man. that if they went up there, the odds were not in their favor to play the winds. You know, I don't know what it was. Wow. I once heard somebody say, and this might be the biggest myth, you can just throw this out the window, but I do want to address it because uh, obviously people are wondering it. Uh, I had a guy reach out and say, I've got a spot right next to the river. I should be running mineral, correct? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I think if you're near water, you need to put out s s uh, mineral licks. And I'm like, um, anyways, I'll tell you my answer after, but, but is there any truth to that? If you're near a, a body of water that needs to be more mineral, you need to be running more or less mineral. I would, 
I would probably say the opposite of that, just because if you're around a river, you've got river bottoms, and those river bottoms usually have the most fertile soil, which all of that minerals and stuff that's in that soil is going to grow into the plants. You know, the plants are going to absorb that. When the deer eat that plant, they're going to absorb the minerals that that plant has absorbed. Uh, but having said that, I do love putting mineral sites around water because when the deer need the mineral the most through the summer months, it's really hot. So they're going to be drinking yes. water every day. So I, I wouldn't say the deer need the mineral more around the river. I'd say they probably need it less around the river, honestly. Just that's just my two cents worth. But I do like putting mineral around water because it's a good place to to get pictures of deer through summer months, and it's a good place to have the mineral and the water close together so the deer don't have to travel far to get either. Right. Well, that's what I told him. I basically just said, like, dude, whether a deer is, you know, right next to the river or you know they don't have water anywhere near them, they need the same amount of minerals, like. You know, if I live in Kansas, if I live in Mon Montana, I have to have X amount of sodium no matter where I live. No, You know what I mean? Uh, so they, they need it yep. the same amount they need it anywhere else. Uh, but I did say the same thing. I said, you know, but like if I put a water tank out, because uh, I've got places, you know, here in Kansas that there's no water anywhere near them. So I, I, I run a lot of water tanks. Like if I, if I put a water tank, there's always going to be a mineral site next to it because like and it's a hundred percent what you just said, uh, because through those summer months when they're pounding the water hard, they're gonna be hitting mineral hard. So put it in the same spot. Um, so a hundred percent what you just said. But um, yeah, I would agree with you, uh, one hundred and ten percent on that. Now, gentlemen, what is your biggest when it comes to supplementing deer? When it comes to attracting deer? When it comes to growing bigger deer? When it comes to all of this stuff we've talked about? What's your number one? Break it down. Here's a tip for you to help you in the game of, of killing deer when it comes to feed, supplements, attractants, minerals, you name it. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when I said feed everything and see what the deer like and what they need the most. And then just keep that there. If you can feed year-round, whatever your deer like, keep it there year-round. If you can't feed year round, feed it every single day you can, <laughs> you know, and yeah. those deer have to reach a certain age. You know, you, you every, I hear all the time people say, well, if I didn't shoot him, the neighbor would. And we've all heard it as a hunter. I hate that saying because you know what? You just shot him. So he sure as hell didn't make it. He yeah. had a chance. If you let him go, it may be a slim chance, but that's better than no chance. So, you have to get to a point in your hunting career. If you're wanting to kill big bucks, you have to get to a point in your hunting career where you're okay not killing a deer. You know, and we've all, I, th I think we've all, I know I sure as hell did. I went through a spell where I wanted to kill every deer I saw. I didn't care if it was a hundred inch deer. I didn't care if it was a six pointer that wouldn't score but 40 inches. I just wanted to kill a deer, you know, and after I'm you get to there. that point, then you want to then you want to kill the biggest deer possible, you know? And so you start passing up a lot of these deer and then you may go three, four, five years without killing a deer when you get to that stage in your hunting career. 
Because when you start wanting to kill a 160-inch deer or bigger, if you only have one farm to hunt or two farms to hunt and you don't travel, there's going to be years you just don't have a shooter buck. And it's going to be awful tempting to shoot that 140-inch deer. Let's say you have your goal set at a 160. It's going to be awful tempting to shoot that 140 if that's the biggest deer you have. But that 140 is never going to make it to 160 if you shoot it. So you have to get to a point in your career where you're okay passing deer. You're okay not killing deer. You have to have all the nutritional value, all the nutrition you can on that farm. And you're going to have to let that deer go to get to the age structure he needs to be at to shoot him. So there's no real perfect storm situation where you're just going to have a big deer every year. You're going to have up years. You're going to have down years. Um, make sure they have all the feed that you can have there so they don't leave to go to the neighbors. You know, and, and it's a we joke about it here in Kentucky. It's like, you know, we have to outfeed our neighbor because you've got neighbors hunting on every farm. So, yeah, it's a game. Try to try to keep the deer on your property as long as you can. And that typically means keeping feed out if it's legal. Jack, you want to share your tip? So my tip is, is not necessarily around feed or anything, but just intel with deer. And I love running trail cameras on video mode. And that may just be me because... I like to actually see video versus pictures, but video can just tell you so much about what's happening and, and especially at a feed site, right? I mean, what is the deer doing? Where are they coming from? How are they interacting? You know, a picture is great. And, you know, a lot of people love pictures and they flip through them and they say, oh, there's a good buck. Okay. Well, if I can see that that buck came in from a certain area, right, his butt's going to point me towards the bedding you know, most likely then where is he coming from? Where is he going? Where did he leave? Right. All those different things tell me a lot of information and a video form can just tell me so much more about what that deer is doing at that specific area. So that's my tip run video, but it's going to eat up your cards. So you better have a lot of cards. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to touch on that too, Jack. I'm glad you brought that up. So one thing that we've noticed where, you know, we've been doing the outfitting for 15 years. So we've had a lot of deer shot, a lot of deer, a lot of setups that we thought were foolproof turned out to not be. And when they turn out to not be foolproof, what, what I've learned is a mature buck, anytime he comes to the feed, will come from downwind. And if you're getting a picture of this deer that looks like he's coming from the right and it's just a picture, not set up on video, like you said, you're automatically going to think, well, that deer's bedding to the right. But what that deer may have actually done is come from the left, did a circle big there. circle to get the wind in his nose, and then come in from that direction. So you're going to set your set, you're going to have it set up for a 180 degree wrong wind direction. Because all you saw was that picture with, like you said, his butt facing that way. So you automatically think he came from that way. And that's not always the case because, I mean, seriously, nine times out of 10, that mature buck will do a circle. It may be a 360 degree, or, or not 360, like a 270 to get the wind in his nose. And it'll be a 60 yard circle, nine times out of 10. It's a 60 to 80 yard circle around that feed station to come in from downwind. 
So we do a lot of setups with a crosswind so that that deer, you know, when he comes in and his nose is facing upwind, he's broadside for you to give you a broadside shot. But it is very, very, very important to know that deer is coming from the right direction to make that happen. Otherwise, he'll do the circle and get your wind before he gets to the bait station. I tell people all the time, just stop overcomplicating it. Like, think about your needs and when you want stuff the most. Like, if you get done with a big, hard workout, you want to go get protein. You want to get food. So same with a deer. After the rut, when they've ran themselves ragged, that's what they want to do. They want to hit feed. They want to start replenishing themselves. If it's 100 degrees outside, you want water. So do the deer. Like, just think about it, you know, simply. Um, and, and you know, you brought up a great point, George. Like, during the pregnancy of a deer, that's when you should be giving the does the most because they're growing another body inside of them. So give them all that help they can. Like, when you start to think about deer in that way, it becomes a lot simpler as to what, what should I give them? Where should I put it? When should I give it? Um, it becomes a lot simpler. So don't overcomplicate it. Just give the deer what they need and, uh, and grow bigger, healthier deer. Jack, where can they find buck bourbon at? Man, you can find it at a number of different retailers. Um, and if, if you can't find it at a dealer near you, tell the dealer, say dealer, Hey, where can I get buck bourbon? Can you get buck bourbon? You know, then, you know, this product costs a lot to ship. So if you go online to buckbourbon.com, you can find all of our products to learn more about it. But we want people to go to their local retailer, their tractor supply, their whatever near them uh, mm -hmm. and, and get it there because we want to support those businesses. But if you have to, yeah, go online to buckbourbon.com and at least learn about everything that we've got going on and all the different products we have. Even Walmart carries it. At least my Walmart does. Yep. yep. Guys, there's not many things that I'm going to tell you to stop and do right now. One of those things is to stop and go join Pope and Young right now. It's 45 bucks for the entire year to be a member of Pope and Young. And what that does for you is that helps to ensure your rights as a bow hunter. Pope and Young is constantly fighting for your rights as a bow hunter. They are the national bow hunting organization in North America. They exist to protect your rights as a bow hunter. They are all the time going before state legislators uh, to fight for your rights and to continue protecting your rights as a bow hunter. The record book exists in the first place because somewhere between us and the Indians, people had lost sight that bow hunting was a lethal way of harvesting big game. And so Glenn St. Charles and his group of cohorts, they started the record book so they could take it to different states and show that bow hunting is, in fact, a, a ethical way of harvesting big game. So guys... Don't get caught in, in, in Pope and Young only being a record book. They are your voice for bow hunters, and there's power in numbers. So I would highly encourage you to join today because we need to stand together to protect our rights. Also, what you might not know is if you've bought a bare bow, you can go and register that bow, and you're actually going to get a free Pope and Young membership. Bear Archery is such a believer in the mission of Pope and Young and what they stand for and what they do to protect our rights that they are going to buy your first year's membership. So if you've bought a bow, go online and register that bow, and you're going to get a free year's membership to Pope and Young. But guys, I would encourage you, stop right here right now and go join Pope and Young because we have to protect our rights as bow hunters.
So you guys can find it. It's it's available. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of it at Orschland's, uh, but it's out there, guys. Buck Bourbon does it and does it well, so go check them out. Good luck this fall, and guys, thanks for tuning in this week.